The Powers on Sports podcast is brought to you by Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and Star Alvarado. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is To beat the man, you gotta beat the man. The two-one swung lane drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. This is the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, welcome in. It is the 4th of July weekend, which is upon us. Hope everybody's having a good start to their summer so far. Obviously, the no matter where you're listening to us around the country, the heat has been a major factor here in the last couple of weeks. So hopefully you're staying safe and taking care of yourself in the heat. Again, all throughout the, uh, the country, the heat has been brutal. Uh, hopefully you are not in a airport this weekend, because from what all indications are, this week's been a rough week in the airports with canceled flights and such due to weather and uh, storms and all that kind of stuff throughout the country and some uh, ineptitude in some of the airlines as far as their scheduling of workers and all that kind of good stuff. So I appreciate you finding us on the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down in Tampa. Again, uh, 4th of July weekend. Uh, We are getting to right about the midpoint of the Major League Baseball season. The NBA uh, free agency gets kicked off this weekend with the the tampering period where the agents can basically negotiate the deals. I don't know why they don't just start free agency now, but there's this, this tampering window that allows the agents and all that to make their deals before free agency even starts. So you'll see a lot of activity there. We're going to talk, I'm going to talk a couple minutes about that here in a few minutes. Uh, Wimbledon starts next week in London. Uh, that's always a pretty fun event. If you're a tennis fan, even if you're not a tennis fan, Wimbledon is always a cool thing to watch on TV with the grass and the strawberries and cream and England and all that good stuff. So Djokovic is halfway home to the Grand Slam. So he's he's going to attempt to get to the three-quarters pole and then have maybe have an opportunity to finish it off in New York at the U.S. Open. So i uh, got a good episode for you. If, you're not, if you've not already done so, hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform where you can get the the podcast delivered to you every week on your device. Uh, hit that subscribe button and like. Uh, Twitter feed is at JPO Sports. And my YouTube channel is the Jason Power Sports Channel. You can find all the vid- <coughs> excuse me, the video interviews that we're having, uh, all of our video video interviews on the uh, YouTube channel as well. So I uh, had a good great episode last week with Olympic 1996 gold medalist Dan O'Brien for the decathlon. If you remember the Dan and Dave, if you're old enough to remember the Dan and Dave uh, ads back in the 90s, uh, the decathletes uh, in Reebok. We had Dan O'Brien live last week from Berlin, Germany. 
He was covering the Special Olympics with my uh, my bud Drew Felios with ESPN. They were covering the, the event with ESPN, but had a great chat with Dan O'Brien last week. And this week we've got uh, Chris Perez, our baseball analyst. He's two-time MLB All-Star with Cleveland Indians. He's going to be uh, breaking down kind of the midpoint of the baseball season. We're talking, we're going to recap the College World Series with the great uh, dominant performance by LSU in Game 3. We're going to talk about Paul Skeens' future in Major League Baseball. We're going to talk about his All-Star Game experiences. How does the uh, MLB notify a guy that he's made the All-Star team? All the festivities that are in and around the All-Star Game, just in his experiences of those things with his two appearances in the All-Star Game. So we're going to have a really good chat with Chris. We're also going to talk about players-only meetings. How do those things come about? How are they conducted? What is the mood uh, in trades as well? So good spot with Chris Perez talking all things baseball here at about the halfway point. Uh, surprise teams, disappointing teams, all that kind of good stuff. So stick around for that here in just a few minutes. But I want to talk. To, first, I want to lead us off with, did you see Domingo Herman threw a perfect game for the Yankees on Wednesday night late in Oakland? Uh, only the 24th perfect game in MLB history, the fourth perfect game for the Yankees in their their storied history. So Domingo Herman, the first Dominican pitcher ever to throw a perfect game, gets it done in Oakland against the lousy A's. So congratulations to Domingo. A um, couple other things. If you haven't already seen the the docu the Bill Walton documentaries on ESPN as part of the 30 for 30 series, definitely want to check it out. Great uh, four-part series on Walton and his uh, his career and his life and lots lots of stuff. So if you're uh, even if you're not a Bill Walton fan, it's a pretty good it's a really good documentary and just just documenting how good he was and could have been had 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 he not been uh, besieged by foot injuries. Um, I mean he was he and he would have been right there with one of the all-time great centers with his skill set uh, competing against Jabbar and. All those guys in the in the 70s and 80s, uh, Walton's documentary is really good. So if you if you're if you're a basketball fan, uh, check it out. Bill Walton's documentary on ESPN, luckiest guy on the face of the earth. And I also saw the other day a replay of the Catholics versus convicts documentary, kind of uh, storing the Miami Notre Dame rivalry in the 80s, early 90s, especially in the 80s. They had the, the 1988 game. Uh, the classic game in, in South Bend. That's a, that's a, if you haven't seen the Catholics versus the convicts and how it's centered around some kids at Notre Dame in T-shirts and all that stuff, definitely check it out. That's a really good documentary as well. I saw that again uh, during the week. So um, some good, t- some good view- TV viewage for you as well. And I also saw, speaking of uh, documentaries, uh, Netflix just came out with a uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary kind of outlining his life and his rise to, to prominence in both bodybuilding and, and politics and movies in and, and the movie so that was that was actually better than I thought it would be that was pretty good they did a pretty good job they're outlining uh, chronicling his 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 life story and all that stuff so that was pretty interesting so saw that last weekend so three uh, viewing uh, options for you as we get into the long weekend here. Again, if you're if you're enjoying the holiday weekend, one be safe. Don't be crazy with the fireworks and all that stuff. Be safe. Um, take care of yourself. Remember, it's blazing hot out. Sunscreen, water, uh, all those kind of things. Be careful of uh, if you're if you're in and around the ocean. 
Be careful uh, as you the further you go out. A lot of rip current stuff. You, if you saw the news, Ryan Mallett, the former NFL quarterback and Arkansas quarterback, passed away in a rip current drowning accident up in Destin, Florida, which is a very nice beach area up in the panhandle of Florida. Apparently he got uh, succumbed by rip current. So if you're out in the water, in the ocean especially, be careful uh, of that stuff. So um, Ryan Mallett passes away uh, pretty young, uh, or uh, obviously really young relative to uh, everything. So uh, condolences to the Mallett family there. So um, not a lot on the football front. College football starts in about a month. Training camp started in about a month. Uh, so this is, this will be a kind of your dead period of the, of the football season. Uh, if there is one, this is the time. Most of everybody's on vacation and taking their vacations and all that kind of stuff as far as front offices and things like that. You probably will see a couple of signings here in the next couple of weeks. Again, Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins are kind of the two big names still out there that are unsigned. That Those things will probably happen, I would imagine, in the next couple of weeks as we get close to training camp. So, But first things first, NBA free agency kicks off this weekend. You got the big names, Kyrie, Draymond, Dame Lillard, Saga, and James Harden. Dame Lillard, not a free agent, but all the speculation is will he stay or will he go from Portland? Um, to me, the, the two big names for me are Kyrie and James Harden. Um if, if I'm a team, there's no way in the world that I'm giving those guys any more than a two-year contract. If you're Dallas and you give Kyrie four or five years and $200 million, you are effing insane. That guy will go revert right back to what he is. Everybody around the league, broadcasters, insiders, teammates, all that guy cares about is, the, is, is a bag of money. He doesn't have any interest in uh, doing the things that are necessary to be a big-time winning team. Uh, being a a big-time winning player. Uh, If you're Dallas, I know you lost Jalen Brunson last offseason, but you cannot overpay because what that's going to do is that Kyrie situation is going to drive Luka Doncic to want to get out of there. Um, I'd give him two years at most and give it a one-year trial because if if you do a two-year contract and it doesn't work this year, you can unload Kyrie to somebody and somebody would absorb his contract for one year and move on. But you cannot give that guy four or five years, in my opinion, under any circumstance. He's he's 30 years old now. Um, good player, but he's, just a, he's not a uh, winning player as far as an organization goes. Same with James Harden. If you're Philadelphia, if you, you again, he, he's got an opt-in. He can either opt-in to one more year of his contract in Philly or opt-out and become a free agent. Um, that decision is being made on Thursday. Um, so, again, if I'm Philly, no way I give him more than two years. Again, he's old. He's slower. Again, not, the, not, not a great teammate. Um, if I'm Philadelphia, I make a package deal and I go get Dame Lillard. I package Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris and maybe a draft pick, and I go get Dame Lillard. I think Lillard and Embiid, and you can fill in around those two. Those two guys are winning players. Those guys want to win. Uh, I would not re-sign James Harden if it was me. If he opts into his last year of his contract, obviously you're stuck with James for one year. But I would make a trade for. I would make a run at Dame Lillard. I would go. I'd give up Tyrese Maxey and make them take Tobias Harris. And I, if I have to throw in a draft pick, I would do that. But I would go get Dame Lillard if, if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers. I think with Dame Lillard and Embiid, uh, you, you can fill in around enough around those guys 
and you can be a championship team in the East. Uh, that would be where I would go if I'm Philadelphia. Um, but we will see what happens here in a matter of days and maybe even hours here as the free agency period gets started on Friday. Uh, the Rockets seem to have, from all indications, the Rockets are the team that has the most, uh, you know, will control a lot of free agency. They have the most money. Uh, what that? What will they do? Will they bring James Harden in if he's a free agent? Will they bring him in? Will they make a trade for somebody? Will they will they bring in some veteran presence to help with all the young guys? Houston, with the most salary cap room, seems to be the team that kind of holds a lot of the cards here. I think Draymond will end up back in Golden State. You saw they traded J Jordan Poole last week to open up that opportunity to go for, for Draymond to come back. Um, so we'll see. And I, and I do think Golden State will do one more, make one more move, whether it's for a big man or something. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do, if there's any if there's any chatter of Clay Thompson potentially getting traded. We will see. But um, I think Golden State will end up back with Draymond, uh, and I think they're going to run it back one more time there in Golden State. So there's your big free agency talk. I'm sure there'll be some trades. There'll be a couple of things happen. Wimbayana is obviously in San Antonio. He's going to play in the Summer League uh, in Las Vegas coming up here in a couple of weeks. He will not play in the National, I mean, the World Cup uh, basketball tournament over the summer for France. He's going to play in San Antonio with the Spurs and get ready for year one of Wembenyana in San Antonio. So we will see how that unfolds. So, all right, again, be safe this 4th of July. Ha have a fun time. Be out and about, but be safe. Don't do anything stupid. Don't drive drunk. All those kind of things. Uh, the police will be out. And uh, be nice to your neighbors and your compatriots that are out celebrating. Don't be a jerk. Don't let's don't have any shootings and all that kind of stuff. Let's don't be involved in all that kind of crap. So be safe. Have fun. Chris Perez coming up next. Major League Baseball two-time MLB All-Star closer. Going to break down the midpoint of the Major League Baseball season. College baseball. Uh, Paul Skeens. We're going to talk players-only meetings. We're going to talk All-Star game experience. Uh, all those fun things that go around the All-Star Game and all that stuff. So you'll enjoy my chat with Chris Perez. Again, find us on Twitter, JPO Sports, and YouTube channel. Tell a friend, retweet our tweets. Appreciate you finding us. If you have any interest in being a sponsor of the podcast as well, uh, there's some opportunity out there as we get towards football season here. I um, also, was also part of the Last Word on Sports media roundtable that we had with T.J. Reeves hosting. So check that podcast out. That just got uh, released on Wednesday. We had a great chat about sports media topics in 2023 so far. The big, the big media topics that we've experienced so far in the first half of 2023. So we had a, had a fun time doing that roundtable round with T.J. and the Last Word on Sports uh, people. So check that out as well. And... Also, check out the Press Box radio show. I'm the, I co-host the Press Box radio show uh, on Wednesdays. It's from 8 to, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. You can find it on uh, PressBoxRadio.com. And if you're in the southeast, state of Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, it's on various stations, radio stations around the southeast in those states. But again, you can also check it out online anytime on demand or live at pressboxradio.com. Shout out to my guy, Mike Grace, for his uh, good work putting that show together and allowing me to be a part of it on Wednesday. So there you have it. Have, have a great week. Appreciate you finding us. 
Chris Perez coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Powers on Sports Podcast. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions, as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs, corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. And now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to purchase your first time home, relocate to the state of Florida, or just purchase that second home or investment property? Well, if so, Titan Home Lending can help you get financing for that new home purchase. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404, and I can help you get pre-approved in less than one day. A pre-approval is critical in order to make that offer on your home. You want to know how much of a home you can make an offer on, and getting a pre-approval will allow you to do that. From an FHA, VA, conventional loan, jumbo loan, bank statement loans, there are numerous loan options out there to help you get into your house of your dreams. You can also renovate. You can do a renovation loan, which will allow you to make home improvements and finance the costs into the loan. So reach out to Titan Home Lending anywhere in the state of Florida for your next home purchase, 205-790-1404. All right, welcome back. Powers on Sports Podcast. We are... It is almost all-star break time in Major League Baseball. We are getting ready to go to the 4th of July early next week. Hot dogs, all-star games, and pennant races are heating up all around the league. We're going to talk some all things baseball, MLB. We're going to talk a little college baseball with our baseball analyst, Powers on Sports Podcast, Chris Perez, former MLB closer, two-time all-star. We're going to talk about his all-star experience a little bit as well so welcome back to the uh podcast chris thanks for having me uh yeah that's a, uh, my resume keeps getting longer and longer every time you bring me on that's right <laughs> man all right so what's 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 the perez summer plans with i know you got a couple kids what's summer what's summer life for the perez is uh, in the state of florida this time of year well you can see from by my face i've been spending some time on the beach uh <laughs> but uh i actually just shipped my kids up to my parents place up in south carolina for two weeks so uh you know, it's kind of been quiet the last couple of days, which is nice. Uh, I'm going to drive up there on Friday to meet, meet up with them and, you know, do our, our usual July 4th stuff up there. Uh, but, yeah, summer's uh, – it's definitely here in Florida. It's been hot the last couple of days, for yeah, sure. For sure, for sure. Let's talk about the All-Star game first. All-Star game coming up here in another week or so up in Seattle. Talk about your the selection process of, you know, you, you've been fortunate enough to go to that game a couple of times as a player. How does the league inform you, hey, you made it? How does your, is it a team thing? Is it an MLB thing? How's that whole process work of letting you know you're a freaking all-star man? Um, 
Well, actually, my uh, my two experiences getting selected were, were a little different. My first time, I was actually away from the team because my grandma had passed away, and uh, I was busy with her funeral and everything. And then when I was flying back, and I think the team was in Cincinnati, I was meeting up with them on a Sunday. Uh, I think it broke, like, all over. You know, I think ESPN had their selection show, and it had broke while I was in the air. So when I landed, this is before, like, I didn't have Wi-Fi on the plane. When I landed, uh, my phone was blowing up. Congratulations and everything. Uh, the second year, they actually sent an envelope, like a nice, like, invitation with, like, a gold envelope, uh, you know, for Major League Baseball to the team. And then uh, I, we were in Baltimore, and the press secretary, like, comes down and, and like, calls me over and, and hands me the, you know, the envelope. So uh, that's a pretty good idea that you made it once you get that. Uh, the second time was a lot more fun because the guys were all around and, uh, you know, it was, it was a good experience, but, uh, I think every team does it a little different. I don't know if, you know, some guys might just get it in their locker or I, I don't really know how the other teams did it, but that's what happened for me. How talk about the experience of actually getting to the city on that Monday, interacting with the, whether it's the fans and the other guys that are around the league that maybe you don't see very often and just being in that room of guys that are having great years that particular year. I think a lot of it you could if you've been married you can kind of uh you can kind of parlay it into like a wedding experience like you're you're then you're in and you're out you're meeting everybody you're you're going this way for pictures you're going this way for an interview you're going you know home run derby's over here it's so much stuff going on uh that you don't well you're in the moment you don't really get to sit back and be like oh my god like I'm in the room with you know the best players that are playing baseball uh definitely you know when you when you leave that those two three-day experience you, you just kind of like it all kind of decompresses and you start thinking about you know uh, you know talking to this guy or, or watching this home run you know hit and it, it's like I said it's kind of surreal it's surreal when you're there uh especially your first time uh you know some of these guys go every year and it's just probably a, more of a hindrance because they would rather have the days off but right. um it's a whirlwind. I mean, you know, you're flying out, you know, usually you have a Sunday day game and you're flying out right after the game to, to go to wherever the all-star event is. And there's usually like a welcome dinner that night. It's just, there's, it's all planned out. It's all top, you know, MLB does a first class experience. Uh, and then you're worried about getting your parents there and friends and tickets. And uh, I think the game is kind of last on your mind, actually, like having to perform <laughs> in the all-star game. Uh, and then the home run derby, it's just, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, but they, like I said, MLB takes care of every, a lot of the stuff, and uh, it, it's it's definitely a, a you know a lifetime experience I'll never forget. I was able to, to share it with my parents, and uh, the second year I, I flew out all my friends, uh, you know, high school friends that that have helped me get here pretty much, and it, it was fun, and kind of like a mini celebration. Awesome, man. Talk about game day. I don't know. I don't know if you got to pitch in either game, but does the manager kind of tell you before? And hey, Chris, I'm probably going to use you third or fourth inning or seventh or eighth. You know, how does that? How does the most times they map out who they're going to use pretty pretty much in advance for the most right. part? How did that work for you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, before the game, they kind of tell you these are your windows. Uh, they try to get guys that haven't thrown before, like if it's your first game, or you know, they try to get those guys in for, for first. Um, right. I pitched in my first game and warmed up in the second game, but didn't come in in the second game. Uh, so yeah, they try to give you windows and, and I think they work from the back up, like, all right, especially with the relievers, like this guy's going to be the closer. This guy's Mar going to Mariano's going to be closing tonight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, they work. Yeah. You work your way down. And then with the starters, they kind of just fill in because half of them can't throw anyway. So it's right. uh, yeah, they just kind of give you your window. And uh, once your window passes, then you can just relax and <laughs> pay, you know, take it in all-star game. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So two-time All-Star, where were your games at? What, what, what cities were you in? Uh, 2011 was in Arizona, and 2012 was in Kansas City. How's the nightlife? Uh, two hot places. Two, two yeah? hot places in the summer, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, having to wear a suit to do that red carpet thing, on, you know, middle of July in, in Kansas City. <laughs> Woo! I, I think Jeter was even sweating when he got on the bus. And, and you know, he's Mr. Cool. So it was it was hot. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. All right. Let's transition to the College World Series. We just wrapped it up on Monday night. Uh, the LSU Tigers throttled the Gators. I think I don't even know what the final 18 to four or something like that. You know, obviously the Gators blew them out in game two, 24, scoring 24. Uh, just talk about the the series in general. You and I were texting a little bit before and during the game. You know, we thought, what what is LSU going to do with Paul Skeens? Is he going to start? Is he going to come in, in the middle innings? Is he going to close? He didn't even end up pitching because the score, the margin of the game was was such such as it was. Um, talk about Paul Skeens as just a prospect. I mean, this is a big time player going to get drafted probably the top three or four. Yeah, I mean, uh, he kind of came out of nowhere too. I, I haven't, you know, he, I know he started his career at Air Force, um, but he of all throws places Air Force, <laughs> right? I know. Uh, he from a college standpoint, he he is the most polished guy I've seen. I, I know Pryor and, and some guys like that, you know, coming up Strasburg for sure. But he throws such easy gas, like it doesn't even look like he's trying to throw at ninety eight, ninety nine, and it just comes out. Sometimes it cuts, and then his off speed. And his demeanor, like he's a bona fide major league ace without the experience, obviously. But I mean, he he's a, he's he's a beast on the mound. He's like six six. You know, he he's he's as most polished as I've seen. I mean, Strasburg was throwing a hundred and everything too, um, but he wasn't doing it at the College World Series. You know, he was doing it at San Diego State. Prior, you know, he had a great career at USC, and and they got to the World Series and everything. I just I think if this guy's on the right team and they want to be you know a little aggressive with them, he definitely can get out this year in the big leagues. He may not start, you know that's a that's a whole other animal. But coming out of the bullpen where he can kind of control his innings and you know yeah. two two innings here, three innings there. If he's drafted with Pittsburgh or or I, I don't know who else is, I think Texas might be up the there. The interesting team is Texas at number four. Right. I don't think he's going to get to four, but if he were to get to four, Texas he'll be in that rotation in September, especially with them losing to Grom. For sure. And they haven't been in the playoffs forever. I think Texas is more likely Pittsburgh too. You know, Pittsburgh's right there. Uh, yeah. I know they've, they've kind of hit a, the, the skids right now, but you know, they're, they're only six, six games back, right. you know, halfway through the season, their division's not that tough. You know, you can pick up some wins in September against the Cardinals. And, Texas would be the interesting one. It would. And, and if he can, if he can go that far, and, you know, some of this stuff has to do with money, obviously. So, you know, Pittsburgh's had top picks the last couple of years. Maybe they don't want to dole out, you know, big time money for the first overall pick to a pitcher. Right. But at the same time, this guy's ready to go now. You know, you, you know, you're going to get it, put him on the 40 man and you're going to get something out of him. It's not, it's not like an 18 year old crapshoot where we hope he's, he's an ace in five years. You know, this, he hasn't, he hasn't had injury problems this year. I know he threw 146 pitches in the super regionals, but I mean, that didn't affect him in the world series. Uh, he, he's he's one of those guys that can change a uh, change a rotation around fast. He's got that kind of presence. And you could give him a month or so to recoup and get his body back before you had to use him in August right. or September. So you got exactly. some time. Yeah, you could yeah, you could even wait till September just to make sure, you know give him some time off because he is coming off a of World Series and and they won. So you know he's celebrating a little bit and doing right. an interview media and uh so yeah it's gonna be interesting to see anybody that gets them is gonna be the top three picks i mean dylan cruz is a stud uh wyatt langford's a stud like this draft is that's why the college world series was so good this year we had such high-end talent uh you know showing their thing on the on the on that stage so you've you've been in that you've been in that situation obviously pitching the university of miami you've been in some high high big moments like that talk about what what happens now between the end of the college world series and the mlb draft which is in about two weeks or so Back in your day, I think the draft happened during the College World Series. 
Will there be times when when teams work out guys, work out a Langford, or work out some of these pitchers to obviously figure out where they want to draft them, or, or is it more just based on what they've done in games? Uh, a little of both. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. When I was playing, the draft actually happened before the Super Regionals. So, like, I already knew I was drafted going into the World Series, so you can kind of more focus just on doing your job trying to win the World Series. Right. Uh, but, yeah, if, if some top prospects team didn't make the playoffs or didn't make it to the World Series, those guys are, are definitely doing some camp, you know, going to workouts, Not taking a VP. Yep. yep, for sure. And I know MLB has a combine now which they never used to, uh, maybe it's, you know, the last couple of years, which is a smart idea. Yeah. Pitching wise, you know, some, if you haven't thrown a lot of innings and your team didn't make it to the, you know, the, the regionals or the super regionals, you might throw a bullpen or something, but for, you know, for the most part, those, the, the top end guys, the scouts have already seen you all season. Uh, the hitting is where, cause they want to see you with the wood bat. They want to see right. that bat speed and stuff. So the hitters, it's a lot easier for them to go to a workout and, you know, take a couple ground balls, run a 60 and hit, hit BP pitching, you know, it's kind of hard to, to tell if that guy, you know, it's not probably, probably more medical stuff with the pitchers, the MRI shoulders, you know, no, elbow you start, shape and things sure. like that. If you, that's where it gets kind of tricky. Cause if you are, if you do have a little thing, do you want to share that with the team? Cause they're <laughs> going to find out anyways, if they draft you, but yeah, uh, pitching is definitely a lot more, you know, they're, they're trying to see where you want to sign, like that kind of stuff. But a lot of those pitchers are also playing summer ball right now, or, or, or they could be, you know, if you're, a fringe guy, you know, second, first round, and your team didn't make it to the regionals, you might be in the Cape right now trying to add to your stock. No doubt, no doubt. Remember, that. what is that? I know, obviously, MLB draft is multi – I mean, 20 – how many rounds is the draft in, the, in Major League Baseball? I think it's 20 now. It used to be 50. They used to yeah. actually used to have no limit. They would just keep going until teams say, oh, we don't want to draft anybody else. <laughs> but, yeah, that's it was crazy. <laughs> I think that's why, though, that's why college is getting so good with the with the players. Like, there's just less rounds. You know, instead of being a 25th rounder in college and signing, you're staying for your senior year right. helping a team, you know. And I bet a lot of these high, you know, you know, fifth, sixth round picks are probably going to go to double A. They'll probably start off in double A. A lot of these college kids, especially, will probably yep. get shipped to a double A team potentially. Um, for sure. That's the top guys, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's every, every situation is different, but the way it's structured now, yeah. If you're a high school kid, you're probably going to the complex and, and getting your swing di- dissected and all that stuff. If you're, you know, a top polished college prospect, you're probably ready to go to double A. That's especially if you're coming out of the SEC or the ACC or the, like you're facing, that's kind of like the low, low level minors anyways. Correct. Correct. All right. Speaking of you were talking about minor leagues, I want to talk about Alex Manoa. The guy from the from the Blue Jays, you know, had a really good year last year. He's got a good arm. You know, he's had some control problems this year. Toronto, about a month or so ago, sent him down to down in our neck of the woods down here in Dunedin, where the Toronto's single A kind of extended spring training uh, center is. He pitches on Tuesday of this week, a couple days ago, Tuesday, minor league, single A, 18-year-old kids for the most part, gives up 11 earned runs in three innings. What causes a guy who's had such success at that level, the major league level, to all of a sudden can't find it, can't throw a strike, can't get guys out, can't get 18-year-old kid out, gives up 11 earned runs? So I've actually been there, uh, not 11 runs, but uh, in 2014 when I was with the Dodgers, I went on the DL in August, and I wasn't really hurt. It's just they don't. We needed a roster spot, and I wasn't pitching well, so they sent me to Rancho Cucamongo every day. And I worked one-on-one with a pitching guy, like one of their roving pitching instructors to try to break down my mechanics, get back to kind of like a intervention. 
Right. Um, you know, it take, takes the pressure off you. There's no, you know, media. Well, Manoa is definitely asking, answering questions today, but there's no media there. You know, there's no cameras. You're just working on trying to get back to where you were. Um, it sounds like that's where he's at. Uh, you know, to shut him down. He, it, for me, it was more mental and like anxiety driven than it was physical. It all, it all adds to each other. Like he's, you have a couple bad outings, you try to tweak stuff and then you get hit hard and you're not the same pitcher that you've been the last four five, six years. And I think that's where he is. If he's not physically hurt, I think he's at a mental spot where he has lost confidence. Uh, you know, you, like I said, the anxiety, you, you fear going on that mound uh, and, and it affects your pitches. The best pitches, there's no way to quantify it, not even with the sabermetric stuff is when you have total confidence and you're, you're finishing off your pitch with, with confidence that has extra oomph on it, like an extra, you know, it just has extra life. When, when, you, when you're anxious and you're trying to feel your way through and not make mistakes and, and not give up home runs and not walk people, you're, you're timid and you're not aggressive and your pitches don't finish the same and hitters see that. So I think it's a little bit of, the, you know, all of that combined. Uh, giving up the 11 runs, I don't, I don't put anything into it just because – he may have been working on throwing four seam fastballs right down the middle, just like you don't know what he's working on. Blue Jays sent him down there and they're not telling him, Hey, we need you to pitch well to win this eight ball game. They're saying, We need you to work on this to get back to where you were and throw 50 or 60 pitches or whatever the right. number was. Yeah, your number. Right. And maybe he was trying a new grip. Maybe like I don't put too much on it. Obviously, it's not great, but that I think that's where it is. You know, sometimes infielders get the yips. And they can't, you know, Chuck Knobloch got it, uh, all-star right. second baseman, one of the best players in the league. Steve Sacks back in the day. Steve Sacks. Like, it just happens. And Keel couldn't throw a curveball. You know, he, he melted down on the, at the, on the pitching mound. Um, so, yeah, it happens. Uh, hopefully for him, you know, he can just take it as the process. You know, for me, I, I remember that uh, coming back from my whole, like, intervention, I, I was doing rehab, you know, games with Rancho Cucamonga, high A in the California League, two-time all-star facing – 18, 19, 20 year olds. Right. And once I started the game, one start, I gave up seven runs in the first inning and I swear like only one ball was hit hard. It was just like the craziest stuff, like a, a bleeder over first base, broken bat over third. It was just terrible. But I, I had to keep it in mind. This was part of my process just to get my pitches, you know, and then two weeks later I was in the big leagues again. So, um, you know, it, it's rough to see, but I think he's young enough and he's had past success that hopefully it's just a little blip. And the, and the scary part is Toronto needs him. I mean, I, I know. The, yeah. the, the, that, I mean, that adds to it too. That adds to it too. You know, you got the outside pressure of I'm letting my team down. You know, last year I was pretty much the ace and now I can't get a ballers out. Like it just adds on to the anxiety and the, try to do too much. It just, it's like a vicious cycle. I would have a hard time believing he's going to contribute to the major league roster this year, but I mean, <laughs> you know, and you know better than I do how, how, how that is mentally for you, for, for you guys that are so used to, being dominant and be getting guys out and all that. And even, even weirder, probably I would think for a starter more than a reliever, because as a reliever, you know, you're only in there for 25, 30 pitches where a starter, you got to be able to do it for 75 or, you know, 75 to hundred pitches for sure. in order to get over that hurdle of being able to do it that long. Especially you could, as you know, he could have one good inning and then you're worried about, okay, well, is it going to pop up next inning? Whereas a reliever, right. you're like, all right, I have one good inning. All right, man, I'm done. done. Oh yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's a lot harder for a starter, for sure. You might Man. see him come back as a reliever, you know, just to get, you know, you, you might. I don't know. That's true. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. As the trading deadline approaches, you know, when you're, in a, when you're in a locker room, whether you're on a good team or a bad team or you're a guy that's maybe being targeted around the league by people, how does that 
get into your head of, hey, I might be getting traded. We're, our team's maybe not doing really well, and I might be getting traded somewhere to go be the closer for a contending team. How does that thought process happen for you? Oh, uh, man. So when I actually got traded, but I had no idea, like, I was even being thought of to be traded. So, like, that was that, that was in my second year. So that was nice. Uh, as, as going back to, like, the team dynamic, especially when I was with Cleveland, you know, every year we were kind of – we always be right kind of there, not not in first place, but not like out of first place. So some years we made some trades. I, I remember one year we got Ubaldo Jimenez at the trade deadline. And at the time, that was a big pickup for us. Like it just gives your team a shot in the in the arm. And you're like, all right, you know, front office has a little more, uh, you know, confidence in us. And we obviously get a better player and let's do it. Um, a team like now, Cincinnati, who's right. really playing well right now, but they need some pitching or they, sure. they don't need any offense, but they need some oh. pitching help. So they make, you know, you trade one prospect and you get a, you know, kind of like a mid-level starter and you're like, all right, here we go. We got, you know, we've upgraded a little bit and and, and our division's right there. It just gives you a good, uh, gives you some good mojo for, you know, for however long the whole deadline is. Uh, on the flip side, if you don't make that deal, um, you know, you could take it two ways. If you're one of the guys that was going to get replaced, maybe you're like, all right, uh, you know, I have time to try to turn it around and help this team win. And if you're one of the leaders and you're like, dang, I, you know, we could have used this guy or that guy. Everybody sees the rumors. It's fun. It's fun to, you know, think about getting an all-star third baseman and, you know, plugging them into your lineup and uh, or whoever it is, an ace or, a, you know, a new closer or something. Um, but it, again, the older you are in the game, the more you've been around, you just, it's just noise, right? Every game you have to, there's always something you can worry about. And you get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm just going to play. You know I mean? If I get traded, great. If I don't, you know, is it really going to affect my career? No. So let's do my job and whatever happens, happens. But it definitely gives teams, uh, definitely gives you a boost. There's there's no way it can. And the interesting thing for me is obviously the trade deadline is not till the end of July. It's which one of these contending teams is going to make the first move, is going to make the first move for, right. for a good player. You know, I think the last couple of years has been like that because the, the extra wild card spots give so many teams hope. That, you know, and the last two World Series champions, I mean, they just, well, not last year, but the Braves and and uh, the Phillies that got to the World Series, they came out of nowhere in September. So, you know, if they would have sold in, in July, like the Braves bought in July that year and they got a whole new outfield and they made it to the World Series and won it. Like, it's, it's a tough – like the Red Sox are sitting there, right? Last place in the East. If they were in the AL Central, they would be in first place. Like, do you pull the plug on this season? Will the fans allow you to? Uh, those are tough decisions, and uh, that's why they get paid money. <laughs> and, the other, and the other part is the economics of it. Of, of do you, if you trade for somebody, can you? Is your owner going to let you bring on the payroll? Is the owner want to cut payroll? I mean, all those things play all, in all stuff goes decisions to too. Who do you have coming up in the minors? Do we need to make room for some guys? You know, do we have a top prospect that's going to be here next year? Like. All that stuff goes into it for sure. It's it's a business. I mean, there's no, never one decision that's just solely, all right, let's do it. You know, like there's always repercussions, salaries, you're giving up prospects. Otani is leading, you know, Otani's going to be a free agent this year, right? Right. I've heard no trade rumors this year. Last year, that's all you heard was Otani and Soto. Otani and, I've heard no trade rumors for Otani. Like it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot of repercussions. Yeah, because I mean, do you want to be the owner that traded Otani, who's you know the generational kind of player, or you know, and obviously this year the Angels are in it a little bit, so they're right. finally in it. So exactly. you you almost have to keep them because he's you have to. The, he's backing them into a corner a little bit, you know. Like if they were twenty games under five hundred, it, it makes it real easy, right? Like everybody's for sale, maybe Trout, whoever, we'll take offers. They're right there. They haven't been there in forever. He's having another MVP season on the mound and and hitting bombs left and right, like. Yeah. 
I mean, you, you, he's putting him in a really tough position that deciding him next year. Cause if you, I mean, if you, if you don't trade him and he walks, you get nothing. I like, know, right? You get, you get a pick compensation, one pick. Like, I don't know. It's, it's hard. No, it is. There's no doubt about it. All right. Let's talk about some teams that are overachieving a little bit. And obviously a couple teams that are underachieving. Let's go to the overachieving teams. I'm going to give you four teams and just give me a thought on each of these Cincinnati, Baltimore, Arizona, San Francisco. Let's start with Cincinnati. Great story. Great baseball town. You know, the Dela Cruz kids come up. He's kind of a, it seems like he's a five tool stud. You know, they they're doing it with offense. We talked about, they need some pitching. How cool is it? You know, a place like Cincinnati in a winnable division. That's the other part of this. The central is very winnable. Not a great team in that league. Talk about Cincinnati a little bit. Yeah. Cincinnati, like you said, that's the biggest thing for me is the the division. They're, They're, you know, it's not, it's not really good this year. So as a younger team, that's great. And they're in a position, you know, it may sound crazy, but you, you trade somebody like Jonathan India away and get a starting pitcher that's going to help you. Like, they have plenty of offense. Votto just came back. McLean's yeah. called up. Allie's there. They have plenty of offense. Steer, Spencer Steer's had a great start. You know, India's getting to that age where you're going to have to start paying them. And, you know, he could help another contender that might have too much pitching, like the Rays maybe or somebody. Right. And, you know, that's, that's where you kind of addition by subtraction. You don't want to lose India but you have a lot of hitting you need pitching. That's where, you know, you make that one little trade and now you're on the Cincinnati Reds. Like, all right, here we go, boys. We got our ace. Our off. Let's just do it. You know, cause they got uh, a great closer. They just need some, yeah. some setup guys and, a, and a, a starter or two. And they're fun to watch and they're young. And, and these guys have been playing in the minors a couple of years together, Ellie and McLean and all them. They have some mojo. Like, you know, it, it, there is something to say about playing with guys for a couple of years. It's, it's just, you build on each other. It, it, it's uh, it's fun to watch. Baltimore is the same way right now. No, you're right. I mean, in, in, in the mentality of cities like that that haven't been in a while, you almost have to go for it, don't you? If you're the GM, oh, yeah. when you have yeah, a year like this that's winnable, you got to go for it. I mean, if you don't, I don't know how the how the fans can look at you in the face and, you know, listen to anything you say again. Like, this is what you've been building up for. Why not go all in? You know, like, Baltimore is in a little different situation. You don't want to sell the farm for one shot at a wild card because that right. division's so tough. Uh, you know, they're building it the right way. They got some young pitchers that are throwing well. Their bullpen's good. Their hitters are obviously mashing. So uh, they're doing the right way. But, you know, even them can add a piece here, a piece there, a bullpen guy. You can never have too many bullpen guys. Um, and they've stayed relatively healthy, too. That's a, that's a big part, too. And you got the two teams out west, Arizona, San Francisco. Most people didn't think they were going to be in the mix. Everybody thought L.A. and San Diego were going to be the teams. Again, San Francisco always kind of goes for it. I'll give them credit. They're a big market payroll. They're not afraid to make a move. But a team like Arizona, again, like you said, young, got a lot of young guys, got a lot of kind of they're building together. Yeah, they're playing great. That's a tough division. Uh, You know, the Dodgers and the the Padres aren't going anywhere. They're talented. And, yeah, got the upstart Arizona. The only team down that stinks is the Rockies. So, I mean, Arizona, yeah, they, they have an ace. Gallon's a great pitcher. He pitched again last night against the Rays. Uh, you know, that's, he's been there for a couple of years. He's ready. I think he's ready to do some playoff stuff. Uh, and then they're hitting Corbin Carroll has been carrying them, but they have Kettle Marte and they got some guys, um, you know, giants. I don't know how they do it every year. Uh, I know, I know their ballpark is really pitcher friendly and that helps with the mentality and being aggressive and everything, but they just play fundamental baseball always, you know, they, they, they move the runner up, they catch the ball, they play good defense. They, they bunt, uh, their bullpen's always matched up well since Bochy's been there. Uh, you know, and now, now with um, Texas, uh, yeah, uh, no, who's the uh, Kapler? Gabe there Kapler, now. yeah, Gabe yeah. Kapler. So uh, they just play fundamental baseball, and like I said, that home field advantage, like as a pitching staff, 
you know, you, you come back off the road or back home in San Francisco, you know, the, a just cooler the at night, a little colder at right? night. It's hard to hit for sure. And, and that's why they always play close games, four to three, you know, five to two. It's always close games in San Francisco. And, you know, you do that year in, year out. You, you tend to learn how to win those games. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. So, yeah, it's going to come down to the wire, I think. Uh, I don't think any team's going to run away with it. Dodgers are kind of in a rebuilding year for them. Uh, they've had some injuries on the mound. Yeah. Uh, Padres, they're kind of like the all-star team put together. That I don't think they have a lot of chemistry. Um, but, you know, they could get hot. They have talent, and that's all it takes. I mean, you know, Soto and Machado and Grisham get hot for a month or two, and then you got Darvish and, and you know, Musgrove pitched like aces. They look totally different. What's the thought in a locker room when you know you're on a good team, but you're just not playing worth a flip? I mean, when you're 80 games in and you're just team like the Padres, so many high price guys, pitchers, hitters, they got, they got it all. They just, for whatever reason, like you said, the chemistry isn't there. I don't know if they don't like each other. Who knows? They don't seem to do the grimy things like the pot, like the giants. Like the do. giants. They don't right. take the extra base. They don't, they're not willing to bunt things like that. How do you get out of that funk? If you're in a, in a locker room like that. Um, if you're that talented, you just kind of stay the course. They're not out of it yet, right? They can still get hot. When I was with the Dodgers in 14, I think it was around mid-June, we were in like third place, just kind of like going through the motions. And we had a team meeting and, you know, Don Manley kind of chewed us out. And, you know, the, we were a highly veteran team. And you just kind of keep going about your business and hoping that you can catch, you know, get hot. Uh, you know, we, we were kind of running into some bad luck. You know, we had lost like three or four one-run games. And it was just – kind of one of those, you know, lulls in the season. And, and then it just kind of picked up July, August, September, we caught fire and we went, ran away with the division. So if you're a veteran team like the Padres, it's definitely no, no hope is lost. It's just like, we need to start building up to playing good ball, you know, stop making errors, stop striking out with guys on third, uh, you know, just start playing clean ball. And then you look at the pitching staff and be like, all right, guys, let's go. You know, like we need you guys to carry us uh, or off, you know, you just try to not panic. When you're a younger team, you don't have that experience. You don't have that track record. You don't have, you know, the, the you know, Manny Machado has been in the big leagues 10, 11 years. He knows what to do in the second half, how his body's going to be. You don't want, as a young team, you, you kind of, you don't panic, but you're, you're a little more worried because you don't have that track record. Uh, you mentioned a team meeting. I want to, I want to, I was actually, I had this written down. Um, talk about the difference between a, a manager led team meeting and a players only kind of meeting and just the dynamic of that when when you know when a guy like Mattingly is giving you a team meeting does he call particular people out or is he more talking general hey our base running's been terrible or hey our you know whatever's how do, how does a manager led team meeting occur talk about yeah. some of the things they really get get on you about it's more, it's like you said, it's more generalized. Like, hey, the bullpen needs to pick it up. But everybody knows, you know, like if you're sitting there with a six ERA and you just blew two games in a row as a, you know, setup guy, you know he's talking about you. Uh, but, you know, every, every coach is different. Uh, Madeline was a little more not not calling people out. But like I said, we need to, you know, we need to have our you know hitters hit. And we need our, our starters to carry us longer, that kind of stuff. Uh, when I had team meetings in Cleveland, it was more general. Like, we just need to play better ball. You know, the lack of focus, the, the, that kind of stuff. Uh, we need to have a winner mentality. Night life, staying out too late at night, stuff uh, like that. I never got that. Never okay. really got addressed, uh, kind of as a team. Okay. Uh, now the players' meetings I've been a part of are a little more. Talk about that. Talk about yeah. the directness, probably more directness of a player yes. meeting, right? A little more directness, yeah. Especially when I was with the Dodgers, we had a lot of veterans that had done a lot of winning. Uh, so we had a lot of alpha males in the in the locker room, and uh, it's a lot more. 
a lot more direct or, or, or not calling teammates out, but, but saying you need to pick it up. You, you know, whatever you, this is, we know you're better than this, right? Like right. you're a tw- 10 time all-star, whatever you are, you got Cy Young. Like we just, we need you to play better. And, and uh, you know, some guys take it well. And I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be there. Other guys get a little confrontational, but. Um, are guys able to speak up? I mean, is that really where is it, you just go around the room and guys have a, everybody kind of gets a chance to speak up if they want to. Yeah. If they want to, uh, I was, I wasn't in a position to speak up. It was my first year on the team and right. I wasn't having the best you know season. So I, I was one of the guys they were talking about. Right. So, but yeah, the team leaders, like, you know, guys around the room, speak up all those kind of guys, Frankie, Carl Crawford, even. Yeah. Guys that uh, feel like they have something to add or, or uh, have been there like Beckett, Josh Beckett was on that team. And, you know, he was on the, I think he, I'm pretty sure he was on the, Nah, he won the old three. You know, he won the World Series with the Marlins and like and he, with the Boston too. He's he's been there, so like you know, you tend to listen to those guys more. Um, and like I said, the Dodgers was a totally different situation just because we knew we were good. It was just some bad luck, some weird timing, and then we got hot. But yeah, the team meetings, some of them are like, oh my god, we're having another team meeting. Like we're in last place. Like who, you know. <laughs> like, what are we trying to do right like yeah we actually had a team meeting one time in cleveland i won't tell you who the manager was but uh we had a team meeting in september because i, I think i think it's changed a little bit but if you finish second in the division you get a ten thousand dollar bonus the staff does like the, the mlb right. pays it. uh i think it's to prevent tanking or whatever but is this your major had, league movie moment coming up here we had in cleveland meeting. oh man we had a team meeting in minnesota i'll never forget we had a team meeting and like he's like you know we you guys may not want that bonus but our 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 coaches need to buy christmas presents for their kids kind of a kind of a thing so we <laughs> oh man it was bad we were kind of making fun of that all of september uh playing money 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 in the in the locker room <laughs> before the games like it was bad like that, that you don't have a team meeting saying that you know come on guys let's finish second so we can get christmas presents for the kids like <laughs> um, it kind of united us against the staff, you know, like, yeah, and we yeah. ended up in second. So maybe it worked. I don't know. F the man, F the man. Right, exactly. It kind of, <laughs> it kind of, and we finished second. So maybe, maybe it did kind of work. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Last thing, and I'll get you out of here. Talk. I want to, I want to bring it back to Tampa here though, with the Rays. Obviously they're playing great, but there's been some reports in the last week or so about Wander Franco and kind of his relationship with other guys in the, in the locker room. The Rays sat him down for a couple games last week, benched him kind of a, a as a as a kind of a teaching moment. You think, how do you, when there's a guy in the locker room that's a great player, but he's just a prick, he just doesn't. I mean, say whatever you want to say about it, he doesn't get along with people. He's not nice. He's not respect. Not not even not and not everybody's going to be your friend. You don't have to be friends, but the respect level. How do you deal with that when there's a guy that's especially a young guy like Franco? not like he's 32 years old this guy's pretty young but he's he knows he's a he's a he's a badass how do you handle that I think that I think the way the Rays did you, you make a statement you sit him you know if it's a you know Albert Bell comes to mind like when you're a veteran and you're doing that you kind of just say well that's Albert or that's Barry Bonds or whoever it is because he's putting up you know numbers for whatever 10 11 years when you're a young guy you're trying to get that out of your system you you don't want to become that player right you want to be the guy especially if you're as good as him you want to be the face of the franchise. I, I know driving around Tampa, he's on billboards and, yep. and he's in a he's long-term contract. He's going to be right. here. He's going to be here. So you don't want him to turn into that kind of a team cancer. And especially with as Latin as the Rays are, all their hitters almost are pretty much Latin. Uh, the pitching staff, like there's a lot of Latinos on that team. 
you don't want them to start following them. You know, you don't want your less talented guys that fall into those traps because right. they're not going to be as good. He, he's naturally talented. He can take less ground balls. He can, you know, not take as much BP, early BP, because he's that good. Other guys need, like Siri, I'm thinking of Jose Siri. Like, he needs to do some extra stuff. You don't want him falling into that trap. Um, so I think you handle it just like the Rays do. If you don't have that, that who's the veteran presence on the Rays? Uh, Brandon Lau? Uh, maybe Yandy Diaz, Yandy maybe Diaz. they don't seem as confrontational type of guys. Right. And if you don't have that big, you know, star player that that has been as good as Wander that can put him in his place, then you have to go a little above and, and sit him. And uh, hopefully it was a one-time deal. Uh, I know he had a home run the first game back. Um, I still see him kind of, it's not lackadaisical, but it's kind of hot dog, a little hot dog in him. Do you remember Robinson Cano? He was so yeah. smooth. He was so smooth at second yeah. base. Like you would thought he's not really trying. Right. He, Wander does that sometimes at shortstop. And it just looks like he's not getting in position right and you know tosses the ball kind of nonchalantly. But he's talented. Like there, there's a scale, right? Like as to, <laughs> the more talented you are, the more leeway you get. Right. At the same time, I think they're trying to nip it in the bud. And I and Cash has said a couple of times, you know, Wander's a great kid. Um, you know, he's infectious, that kind of a thing. I think they're just trying to make a how point. You, if you're like, the manager, how do you get, how do you, I mean, I'm sure they've talked many a times, whether it's on a bus in a quiet room in a hotel somewhere, how do you get the word across to the guy? Hey, at least be nice to your teammates. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be everybody's yeah, I mean, best friend, but damn, be nice. I guarantee you he's gone up to Yandi or whoever is the older, you know, the guys that the veteran leadership. And hey guys, can you like talk to this kid? And I guarantee you it wasn't just this season. Yeah, this has been building up. And, you know, I think the last straw was maybe how he I think he acted, how he got out or something. I, there, there was a last straw where, where, you know, either cash went to the front office, or the front office went to cash. And they're like, listen, we need to we need to do Sit this right for now. a couple of days. Yeah, having it grow and, and become a thing and, you know, having to bench them when the games really matter in September or something, you know, because they're the best uh, team in the league. That's the other part of right. it, too. Is you're the best team in the league. Like you, you got a chance to win the World Series like. Um, but at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do, really. I mean, if he wants to be an a-hole and, and a prick and you just kind of say, well, we can either live with this and, and take his good. He, he was leading the league in war. Right. So, like, he is one of the best players in the league. We either take right. this good that comes with the bad or we trade him somewhere, you know? Go to New York where they have 30 different egos or, you know, it's – Right. If you don't fit our culture, you don't fit our culture. But they gave him that contract. And, and they've known him since he was, you know, 16, 17 years old. Right. So I think this is more of a let's let's curtail this kind of a thing so it doesn't grow and not not that they're giving up on him, obviously. No, no doubt. Well, Chris Perez, awesome job, man. What's on the agenda for Fourth of July? What's the what's the what's the cookout situation? What are we doing? Uh, so I'm going up to my parents in South Carolina and uh, I think we're just having a regular barbecue, you know, burgers, hot dogs water slide uh, in the yard uh, kind of a maybe shoot some guns <laughs> kind of a fourth of go. july <laughs> yeah all right well be safe man hope you guys have a great weekend long weekend thanks for the time and we will definitely have you on as we get closer to the the trade deadline and the uh, pennant races heat up there in here late july so have a great weekend man thanks for having me anytime have a uh, happy holiday to you too all right appreciate appreciate you finding us on the powers on sports podcast have a safe and happy fourth of july weekend be safe with the fireworks please don't be blowing off your fingers and all that stuff and be <laughs> and obviously be be careful about the people around you with all that stuff as well so have a great week we'll see you next time powers on sports podcast see you next time thanks again for listening to the powers on sports podcast 
Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.